based on the book of Romans. And in Romans chapter 12, one of the statements that's made there is, let love be genuine. Uh, the, the emphasis on, on the fact that what we suggest, what we show, uh, should be genuine. Now, I know and you know, and as the preacher I'm named after would say, I know that you know and you know that I know that you know. Uh, there are people who are false. They, they put on a show. Uh, they, they may even seem to like you. But if you aren't around, they'll run you down and find fault. And the, the same is true, I think, in reference to, to living the Christian life. There are, there are, I would say, perhaps millions of people today being Sunday, who will go to a worship service, but really only go as a show. They only go because they feel they ought to. And yet you know that if you watch their life, what they talk about, what they may even say in the process of being at worship isn't genuine. It isn't real. It isn't really who they are. It isn't really what they live on a day-to-day -day life. Now let's look at a passage of Scripture, Matthew or Mark chapter 14, uh, verse 3 through 9. Matthew's going to read for us. Good morning, brothers and sisters. This morning's scripture comes from Mark chapter 14, verses 3 to 9. It can be found on page 850 in the Pew Bible. The word reads, While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar a very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor, and they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor will always have, the poor you will always have with you, and you can help them anytime you want but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. This is a bitter reading of the word of God. Amen. In, in talking about his work and, and so forth, this is... Second example, Jesus reprimanded those who um, were criticizing this woman for breaking open this very expensive jar of, of nard, it's called, and anointing him by pouring it on him, pouring it on his head. And Jesus, of course, responds about this because he speaks of what a wonderful deed this is that she has done. 
You know, the, the single-hearted devotion of this lady to do something special for the Lord. Uh, others found fault with it. They, they thought this was a waste. Now, you know, if you look at it from a commercial standpoint, it may have well been a waste. I mean, that could have been sold for money that could have done something else. But the point was, this woman was acknowledging who Jesus was. She was, she was acknowledging that he was somebody special. In fact, Jesus says that she was remembering or was doing this actually in, in view of his coming death. Now, the disciples, you know, they, they didn't see this. Now, I'm not surprised at, at Judas. You know, because if she'd just sold that and given them the money, he could have helped himself to a little on the side. Remember, that was his problem. But here was, here was an act that was a superior act of devotion, a, a superior act of appreciation for who Jesus was. This was, this was not a cheap gift. It was not a cheap, a cheap thing that she did. And she demonstrated through this the value that she held Jesus to be. It appears almost that, that she had an insight that a lot of people around her didn't have. That she understood that Jesus was not just some teacher going around, but that he was somebody special. And Jesus certainly saw the sincerity of this act. He saw the genuineness of it. He saw that this was, sim was not simply a show. It was not a matter where she was going to show everybody something. But it was a matter of her appreciation for him and devotion. Now Jesus points out, you know, if you're concerned about the poor, don't worry about it because you're going to have a, them around all the time and so you can do anything you want to look after them. That, that shouldn't be an issue. And they needed to try to see through what the woman did. Jesus uses the event to speak of his death again. And this time, the relationship to this act of devotion. Remember, the, the, the disciples were a little hard-headed. I mean, God love them. They were, they were a, a fine group of men who, who worked hard for the Lord. But... And I think believed the Lord, don't you? I mean, I don't think there was any doubt that they believed in him and believed that what he said was true, except for I'm going to die. He told them at least three times, and it went right over their head. They just didn't get the fact that this was an important part and would be an important part of his ministry, that in fact he was going to pass away. He was going to die. It was suggested by one writer that this lady prepared Jesus' body for death by anointing him as he perhaps would be when he was being put in the grave, that she does it while he's still alive. 
Uh, you know, it's, it's like, um, you know, over the years, been uh, been involved in a lot of funerals, been involved in, in a lot of people who have families who have dealt with the death of a loved one. And... Um, and, and I don't know how many times, I haven't kept count, but I, I don't know how many times people have said to me, I just wish I had. And, you know, I wish I had done this. I wish I had said this to the person before they died. Well, you know, you only have so much time. And the thing that I know for sure is, I don't know how much longer I'm going to live. Do you? You figured it out? I don't think so. And you know, we can, you know, we can feel like we're going to die sometimes. I've been there, haven't you? Uh, but, uh, you know, pulled through. But one of these days, I'm going to die. One of these days, my wife's going to die. And I, I want to be sure that she understands how I feel about her before that happens. It won't do me any good to stand over her grave and weep because I was such a dummy. And you know, it's, it's, it's not going to work to mourn over failing to do the things that we need to do. Spices were used to make a body ready for the tomb. And so that's that's what Jesus refers to, that she has done this. Now, few would have complained if she, if she dumped this ointment on the body of Jesus when he's dead. How much better that he can appreciate it and see her devotion and see the genuineness of her love. She's undertaken the normal body anointing in advance. And so I think it's a good idea for us to be genuine in our statements of appreciation and love for each other. That it's, that it's useful for us to be genuine as we spend time with each other and as we talk with each other and share with each other. And certainly it's true that we need to be committed to the service of God. The symbolic meaning of this anointing is that she is recognizing Jesus as the Christ. She's recognizing who he is. And so she stands out as being genuine regardless of her past. She, she, had, she was a sinful woman, it says, but she, but she loved enough that she wanted to express her appreciation and love for Jesus. She didn't hide it, but she freely let it stand. And, and, I, and I think about that. You know, I don't know that my um, anointing someone uh, with oil is going to prove my love for the Lord, but there are so many things that I can do that express my love for the Lord, right? There are so many practical things that I can do to honor the Lord by 
by loving and reaching out and, and trying to be there for people. Trying to let them know that they are appreciated and that we do love them and care for them. Pretentious behavior makes no impact for good on God. You know, you know I mean, we can pretend, and we do sometimes, and, uh, you know, that doesn't work. God sees and rewards gen- genuine acts of love and obedience. I think that's why in Romans 12, one of the things that Paul says and really emphasizes is let love be genuine. Let love be genuine. Don't pretend, don't go through the motions, but rather love truly. Jesus didn't care for what was pretentious and showy. And and in the end is hollow. Think about it. Any act that you do, any act that you perform, at least I believe, if you only do it because it's duty, it doesn't say anything about love. I believe that the Lord wants me to walk with him. Don't you? He wants you to walk with him, right? but he wants you to do it because you love him. The only real reason for us to receive freedom from sin, cleansing from sin, is if we truly love the Lord. You know, I I often think of, of the statement in Scripture about the fear of the Lord, that we should... Fear the Lord. Respect him. That's what it means. That we, that we should recognize who he is and that he deserves our praise and our relationship. But I don't believe that fear is a good reason for walking with the Lord. It's only love that really does the job as we live genuinely before him. The kingdom parables indicate the value of the authentic rather than than the powerful. The kingdom is like a grain of mustard seed, Mark 4, 30-32. He talks about this seed, the smallest of all, and yet it produces a, a vine or a, I don't know what you call the thing exactly, but it's but it's bigger than other things. Even though the the seed is so small and unimpressive, it has great power in its growth. In another parable, Jesus spoke of certain folks who immediately respond when they hear the good news, but quickly wither. Mark chapter 4. Also, back in the Sermon on the Mount, he talked about this. The idea that, that people... Respond to the Lord, but then when the trials come, when the difficulties come, they drift away. But you know what's even sadder than that? Can you think of anything that's sadder than a person drifting away from the Lord because of hard times? 
I think what's worse than that are the good times. You know, when, when we think that all of the good things that happen to us and all of the joys that we have and the prosperity that we enjoy is ours because we earned it. I think that's a pretty sad thing. I think that all of us, we need to recognize that it's because of the blessings of God that he gives us that we are able to do things, that we are able to enjoy good days. We are able to be able to earn wealth. The kingdom of God doesn't flourish because of what is superficial or phony. Remember the word says, God speaking of the people, they, they draw near to me, but not with their hearts. You know, they go through the motions. They go through the motions. Under, under the old law, when that statement is being made, you know, they were, they were faithful to get their offerings in. You know, get your offerings in. Get that done. Go down there. And then you can forget it and go out and do whatever. Well, you know, we do not have the privilege of, of not recognizing and honoring God with sincerity. You know, if I'm here today simply because I'm afraid if I don't, the Lord's going to zap me, I'm in the wrong place. I need to be somewhere on my knees praying to God to help me get the right attitude and to become genuine. If I do things that I do in service to God simply to be honored by men or recognized by others or even just to feel like that I'm, you know, I'm getting my hours in. Remember several years ago, uh, a fellow trying to make a defense uh, said that he was getting his hours in for the Lord. Uh, I'm not sure how you measure that. Steve, help me with that one. I, uh, how do I know if I've got enough hours in? Well, you know, we, we walk with the Lord every day and serve him every day. And the kingdom depends on those who do the work of God without seeking attention. You know, we, we all have to be genuine about what we're doing. And recognize that it's not about earthly joy, earthly honor. It's about doing the will of God. It's about honoring him and serving him and being genuine in our obedience to him. Jesus was not impressed with the discussions of who is the greatest. You remember that conversation that was had by uh, some of the apostles in Mark chapter 9? Uh, at the time of, as Jesus' death is approaching, uh, the disciples are busy trying to decide which of them is the best. <laughs> oh, boy. I'm holier than you. I, I guess that was kind of the deal. You know, trying to decide which of us is the best. Which of us should have the best positions in the kingdom? D do you believe that in heaven we're going to have levels of blessing 
and levels of honor? I don't think so. I think in heaven we'll all be equal just as we are here on earth. Do we all have the same talents? No. Can we all do the same things? No. In fact, let me ask you this way. Do we all have the same response, the absolute same responsibility in service to God? The answer to that is no. Because you can't do some things that I can do. And I can't do some things that you can do. And so you have to serve in the area where you have the ability, where you can do it. And I certainly, you know, I, I, there, there's, I, I love our, our folks, usually women, but not always women, but people who can teach our children in Bible classes so well. You know, who, who, just, who just know. I get, it's a, a motherly thing, maybe. I don't know if that's what it is or not. But, but they just have such, such ability to capture the children's attention and focus them on the things of the Lord. And I've never felt myself that I have that ability, but I'm thankful for those who do. I'm thankful for people that can do the things that need to be done but more than that, people who are willing to use whatever talent they have to serve the Lord. Jesus is interested in those who are willing to turn aside and help the least significant, perhaps a child. Remember on, on at least one occasion, Jesus talks about a child being, you know, that's, that's uh, we have to be like a child to serve him, to grow in him. To mature in him. And so the truth is that one becomes real in the eyes of God by serving even in the most humble capacity in what are God-ordained tasks. Even, even simply a cup of water in his name. Well, what, is, what does that mean exactly? I think that means doing whatever we can. I don't, think he's, I don't think he's limiting it to a cup of water. I think he's, I don't know if I've mentioned this, but I, if I have, I'll mention it again. At Meaford, the congregation there, eh, Sunday morning attendance is around 70 or so. And, and we have Sunday school, and then we come in and we sing. And then... We do something else. They, there's, there's a basket. It's about that big square. And the kids come, get four of them on the two handles on either side, and they go down the center aisle. Now, it wouldn't work here. Well, you'd have to do it both. You know, you'd, have to, you'd have to do up one and down the other kind of thing. But they, they pass down, and, and the folks put food in for the food bank. In the town of Meaford, the food bag depends on the Church of Christ. They say that, that the congregation there gives more food every year than any other organization in town. Last year, 4,000, just over 4,000 pounds 
of food, plus about $1,000 extra on that to provide for buying fresh foods like, you know, fruit and things like that. This year's goal is 4400 and, and I'm pretty confident that, uh, that they'll reach it because, uh, and it's, it's, it's precious. It's pre See these kids, they just light up and enjoy carrying the, the thing back. You know, whatever it is, whatever good service we can give, that shows the genuineness of our Christianity. And any time we're like the priest and the Levite who pass by on the other side and pretend we don't see opportunities to serve, we're just as guilty as they are. Because as God's people, we need to serve wherever we can. True Christians are those motivated by single-hearted devotion to God. Jesus is clear in his response to James and John. Let's go to, to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. Verse 42, Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Now, brothers and sisters, can I suggest to you that one of the, one of the very powerful challenging things that Jesus says is right here. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. You know, the challenge for us every day, if we want to truly be genuine, if we really want to be able for people to see in us genuine Christianity, it is going to be seen not in what we say. It's not going to be seen even in the fact that we attend worship once a week. But it's going to be seen daily in our life as we react to people as we see people, well, another thing that Paul says in Romans 12 is to weep with those that weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. That's the kind of people we're going to be. Now, unfortunately, sometimes, you know, our rejoicing comes because something bad happens to somebody we don't like. Well, you know, it's, it's at that point when we need to, to jack it up another notch and recognize that I need to mourn with those who mourn, but certainly rejoice with those who rejoice. Jesus is looking for those who will, like he was on earth. Now, you know, I hope this isn't insulting to the Lord, but, you know, he, he, he put his life where his mouth was. You know, he didn't talk one thing and do something else. But every day, he showed us the example of commitment. 
If we're willing to suffer, or if we're willing to surrender our all to him, he will give us the power to be genuine. And people will notice. People will notice. If you daily live the Christian life as you go about, people who know you will know there's something odd about you. Because the Lord lives in you. And you're not too busy. See, one of our problems in this world today is we're too busy. You know, just about everybody anymore carries a, a day timer or a, a calendar or something because we've just got so many things to do. But let's never get so busy that we don't see needs and take the time to deal with them. You know, I've often wondered, I know it was just a parable, but I've often wondered if the priest and the Levite who passed by on the other side of the man that the Good Samaritan helped, I wonder if they ever felt bad about that or thought back and thought, well, you know, I should have, I should have helped that guy. I mean, he was laying there bleeding. I should have done something for him. Let me, let me close with this thought. I, I don't know about you, but I've had those days when I think, you know, I should have. I should have. Anybody ever feel like I should have? I should have done something. I should have said something. I should have, I should have shown love. I want to have less of those days. And I hope you want to have less of those days. Because it's great joy to be able to serve our Lord. This morning we're going to sing number, I did it right this time, uh, number 947. And you know, if, if today you aren't a Christian, there's no reason for you not to be. All you have to do is be willing to confess your faith in Jesus and be born again of water and spirit. And if as a Christian you you say to you, and, and I hope you will say to yourself, I hope you, your prayers this week will say, Lord, help me, help me to be genuine. Help me to live in a way that people will see Christ living in me. Help me to honor you. And if we do that every day, it's impossible to know how much good will be done. If you need to respond to the invitation, I invite you to come while we stand and sing.